0: Afterwards, I mean, open heaven, power of God, tremendous time. It was a week afterward. In fact, when I drank orange juice, I cried. Do you remember that? I drank orange juice and began to weep in front of my staff like a little baby and had to go in a back room because it, it was just too much for me to handle the taste of the orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, oh, thank you, God. And I said, oh, thank you, God. Anyway. It was later that week, you know, after a long fast, you like have to eat like pulse and vegetables and stuff until your system starts working again. So it was later that week I was running. And I started coveting a Harley Davidson. Now that's crazy. After I've just, you know, put my flesh down, I'm running, I'm dreaming of a Harley. I'm oh, like, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I'm listening to this song from Misty Edwards that talks about how easily our hearts are, are drifted away. And I thought... Oh, and now I'm getting totally convicted by this song. I'm realizing I'm not even focused on you. I'm thinking about a Harley. It's, it's crazy. And I said, Lord, I repent. I began to weep at how my heart was so easily enticed by some stupid piece of metal with rubber. Nice looking metal. And I might add chrome with rubber and power. Great sound. Paint job. Anyway, started getting sort of thrown away. I repented and began to weep. And said, oh God, keep my heart. Keep my heart all the days of my life. Keep my heart. And I had an open vision of having a ticket exactly like this handed to me. And I won. I won a Harley. That's exactly what happens after I repented. And somebody that year came and handed me a Nugent's Ranch raffle. And I thought, for sure, this is it. Yeah. I didn't win that year. But maybe it's this year. Come on, somebody. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are we doing? Numbers. Numbers. The book of Numbers. I will tell you, I will ride that thing right in here and we'll praise the Lord. And I will start a biker's club that will touch the kingdom. Hallelujah. We'll start a biker's club and minister to all the, the bikers for the glory of God. Come on. Come on, somebody. All right. Uh, nevertheless, your will be done. It could be it could be it could be a Harley in the spirit. All right. Numbers Chapter twenty two continuing in this series intended for victory. Thank you. How I many of you know it's God's intention for you to have victory? Numbers 22. I mean, He wants you to win. We can clearly see that through Scripture. He's not come to abuse you. God, I like saying it this way. God's not a child abuser. We're all His child, all those children. He isn't into abusing us. He's into blessing us. The streets of heaven are paved with gold, not because He's impressed with gold, but because you and I are. One gate is, is well, there's theological debates about the gates and the gate. Whether it being one pearl or a group of pearls, I don't know, but it's some pearls or a pearl, one pearl perhaps a gate, big pearl. Imagine the, imagine the oyster. Can you, can you, did, did he actually have to have an oyster to have a? I don't, I don't know. But the point is, the point is that God's intention for you is to bless you. God's intention for you is to have victory. God's intention for you is to win all the days of your life. Be more than a conqueror, an overcomer. Amen. All right, Numbers chapter 22, starting in verse 7, reading from the New International Version. Are you there? Say Amen. Amen. And the elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will bring you back the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite princes stayed with him. God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men who are with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zipporah, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I'll be able to fight them and drive them away. Verse 12, But God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on these people because they are blessed. Come on, say, we are blessed. <laughs> we are blessed. Good. Turn to chapter 24 now. In verse 10. Numbers 24. Verse 10 reads, And Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them. These three times, now leave at once and go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. Balaam answered, Balak, did I not tell the messengers you sent me? Even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything on my own accord, good or bad, to go beyond the command of the Lord. And I must say only what the Lord says. My, my, my. I want to look at one more verse of Scripture. Oh, no, that's enough for now. We'll get to it. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lamp to a feet of light upon our path. Move in power, God, I pray. I ask that tonight's message, Lord, would be dead on. Take a, an arrow from Your quiver. It would pierce the heart of the King's enemies. Bind and break off every assignment that would keep us from walking in victory. Show us, reveal to us tonight from Your Holy Word. Truth that will change us. Revelation that will bring revolution. Move in power, God, we ask, in the name that's matchless, and the matchless, holy, righteous name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. You may be seated. I would encourage you to take notes. Balaam here in Scripture is a fascinating, a fascinating character. He's not an Israelite, yet God spoke to him. Some called him a, a, a warlock or a, uh, a witch, but if you read text, it says that the Lord, He met with the Lord. It does say a capital L, meaning that He's meeting with Lord God. And God spoke to Him, but He was not an Israelite. He's the one, do you remember the guy who the donkey spoke to? It's that guy. And he was hired by this Moab king to curse God's people. And he couldn't do it. He blessed them rather than cursed them. I want you to look with me. We'll look at a number of different Scriptures. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 23. Verse 4 through 5 reads, For they did not come to meet with you with bread or water on their way when you came out of Egypt. They hired a Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor in Aram, to pronounce a curse on you. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. Wow. Turn to Joshua now. Chapter 24, again, talking of Balaam. Joshua twenty four verse nine, when Balak, son of Zippor, Balak, pardon me, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Balak, the king of Moab, do you know where he comes from? The people of Moab came from Lot's daughters. Do you remember Lot? You remember Lot said Sodom and Gomorrah and, and Lot went and lived there and his daughters went to Sodom and Gomorrah High and got influenced by what was happening over there. And so when they, when they left, you didn't know there was such a thing as Sodom and Gomorrah High, did you? When they, when they left, his wife turned around and looked, became a pillar of salt. You remember the angels came and Abraham interceded for them. and Well, Lot got drunk, and the daughters decided to take it upon themselves to cause their family line to continue, and they slept with their father, and the race the, the, the tribe or the race of people that was produced out of that union were the Moabites. And so Balak, the king of Moab, he hires Balaam, this prophet, this Gentile prophet who God would speak to, and every time he hired him, gave him a fee for divination, and there was, he would come and he would pronounce a curse, and every time he tried to curse him, it blessed him. Why is, is Balaam seen in Scripture as an evil dude? I want you to look at this with me. I'll, I'll, read, uh, uh, I'll read it to you if you don't want to turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. Revelation 2, 14. But I have few things against you because you have... Because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat the things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Balaam was a man of greed. You'll see that in 2 Peter chapter 2. Verse 15 says, They left the straightway and wandered off to follow in Balaam, son of Beor." Love the wages of wickedness. Jude eleven says, Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They've been destroyed by Korah's rebellion. Balaam loved so money so much, and we read later on and in in fact in Numbers thirty one, Balaam basically said So you gotta understand. God's intention for God's God's intention for his people was to move through the wilderness and go and take the promised land. Not 40 years later, but right away. And there was lots of things that caused him to forfeit that victory, or to I should say to defer it, or delay it, because it came eventually. And the number one thing I think that got in the way was them. They constantly were a stiff-necked people. They constantly didn't obey the Word of the Lord. They constantly didn't, didn't follow His commands and decrees and write them on the tablets of their heart. They were unbelieving. They wanted to go back to the leeks and the garlic of Egypt. And God wanted to bring them in and give them a land flowing with milk and honey. When there were giants that were terrified, they felt like grasshoppers, and so they were. Grasshoppers. When in fact they were the army of God, and God would have squashed every one of those giants, and eventually did, using David to finish the conquest. Here they're now on the way, through the, they're on the way to Canaan's land. They cover the land, and Moab gets scared, hires a prophet, to curse them, the guy gets out there to bring a curse and he's all, ah! I bless you. He blesses them. In fact, one of the blessings is probably one of my favorite in Scripture. I was going to read it, but we'll read it now. Turn to, turn to Numbers 23. This is Balaam's second oracle. Verse 18 of Numbers 23. It says, Then he uttered his oracle, Arise, Balak, and Listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot change it. No misfortune. Oh, I, I, I just get on fire when I read the scripture. No misfortune is seen in Jacob, no misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them, and the shout of the king is among them. God has brought them out of Egypt, and they have the strength of a wild ox. There is no sorcery against Jacob, no divination against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness and rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till he devours its prey and drinks the blood of his victims. Ah! That's the kind of Christianity I like right there. That's the kind of believer you and I are supposed to be. Not some apathetic, terrified, hide underneath the bed, hoping that God and the devil are not the same. God is for you, who can be against you? God's intention for you is victory. However, i found, and I said it, and this is what really spurred me on to preach this message. The other night, in service, I don't know what service it was, they kind of all blend. But the other day, in service, I said something, I've, you know, I, I found that the biggest enemy in my life was me. And I blamed the devil lots of times, but it was my own foolishness, my own mistakes, my own misunderstandings, strongholds that I allow to stand in my life, and I, you know, I, I, I just discovered that man, I, I'm the one that's really caused most of my problems. Granted, there's generational iniquity, curses, and things that need to be broken off. All of that. I said it this way: I found the enemy, and he's me. God's intention for you is victory. However, you can really mess that up, and I will tell you: the biggest enemy, I, I believe, the biggest enemy to your victory is not the devil. Don't shout me down. Everybody likes blaming the devil because they don't want to take any responsibility for their own actions. Everybody wants to point the devil at the horny, toaded, you know, crooked tongue, father of lies. And he's real. He's out there. He hates you. He's got demons. He has power, which is parasitical. He's a parasite. His power is in his lie. Yes, he's prowling around like a roaring lion for the believer. He has no teeth. If you're not walking right with God, He has big sharp ones that will go right through everything you got. You can try to put on the armor of God every morning, baby. It won't work. If you're not walking with Him. So, what is this deal with Balaam? He blessed rather than cursed, yet he's considered an evil man because of his greed. It is apparent that what Balaam did was he taught the king of Moab how to rip off the victory from God's people? I'm gonna. There's an enemy, and uh, I think he said, "Well, who, who's who's the enemy to our victory?" I will say, Satan. So if you can take notes, who is he? Who's the enemy? Number one, Satan. Let's go ahead and put them down because it's for sure. He hates you. He hates me. He hates God's people. He does whatever he can to cause pain in the heart of God and to get people to turn from him. That's one of his purposes, is to do that. But you've got the stamp of God on you. And God loves you. And like I said, God and the devil are not the same thing. There, that is a religion that, that, that God and Satan fight, these two deities. is called Zoroastrianism. Yeah, we're not Zoroastrianism. Is anybody a Zoroastrianist? Okay. It's a school of thought that promotes a cosmic dualism. A cosmic dualism between God and between an evil God. That's not who we're worshiping. We worship, stop worshiping the devil. Worship God. Devil's a created thing. And you have authority over him if you live right before him, before God, that is. So the Satan definitely is an enemy to our victory, but the second person is you. Me, us. I know you want me to move on, but I'm going to jump on your last nerve and go ahead and preach that. When you yield to temptation, then you allow for the enemy to rob your victory. When you yield to sin, you allow for the enemy to rob your victory. You, 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 you take yourself out from the protective covering of Almighty God. And when you take yourself out from the protective covering of God, you'll get whooped. Now what Balaam did was he taught Balak, listen, I can't bless him. I can't bless him because God, I mean, I can't curse him. Pardon me. I can't curse him. Balak, because they're blessed, God says bless them, they're blessed. And there's not one thing you can do about it, dude. You might be upset, Mr. King of Moab, but I've got news for you There is not one thing you can do about the blessing. But let me teach you something that we could do. But then you're going to pay me some money. If you can just send some of those prostitutes on down there, get some of those women to go get down there fornicating with all them, then they'll come out from under the hand of God, then you can whoop them. And do you know what happened? That is exactly what they did. It was a strategy by the enemy. If, you, if we could just you just get them you just get them to break covenant with God, you just get them to break the commandment of the Lord, you just get them out from the hand of the protective hand of Almighty God, then you can whoop them all over the desert. And so all you need to do is, is get them worshiping idols and get them doing, get them fornicating with some of your Moab women, and then you'll be able to take them. So they do that. And they set up this strategy, and that's exactly what happens. A curse comes on the people, and thousands of people get killed. So how do we how do we stop from being robbed of our victory? The first thing is, if you're taking notes, write this down, it's good. Don't sin. Don't sin. S-I-N. Don't do it! Don't sin! So how do I not do that? Well, don't willfully sin. And when you find yourself doing something, and you've discovered that you're convicted, repent. Everybody, say it. Don't sin. Say it. Ready? One, two, three. Don't. Come on, say it like you mean it. Don't. All right. Almost Pentecostal. We'll try it one more time. Don't. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, says the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, let's think about that. Let's take a little Salaw for a second. Let's read it again since it was so good. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, Hatred, discord, jealousies, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that just preaches all by itself. You mean, if I'm, you mean if I'm living like that, then I'm not going to inherit the kingdom? That's exactly what that says. You can say that you're saved all you want to. You can claim the fact that, yeah, I believe in Jesus and He died and rose again from the cross. So what? Even demons believe that. James says that. I'm feeling evangelistic. Even demons believe that. See, if you really give your heart to Jesus, there'll be a, there'll be a desire to there'll be a desire to turn from those things and they might have a hold on you. That's why you come to altar calls and get disciples and break that thing off of you. Amen. But if you, if you live that way and you constantly, in other words, you go to church and pretend you're a Christian and then you go and you do the debauchery, the idolatry, the, the, the witchcraft, the hatred, the fits of rage. Hey, let's talk about that for a second. I, don't, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you had a fits of ra- fit of rage, but I used to have rages. I used to have just fits of rage. Man, I had so much anger on the inside of me. I've told this before. You didn't ever want to play tennis with me. Because if you lost, I'd try to kill you with my racket. No, no kidding. Three sets, at the end of three sets, if I lost, I'd be all, bah! and I'd throw the racket at the guy. Hey, man, what's up? Sorry. Sorry about that. Want to play again? No. no I- to be sure to lose. Fits of rage. If you've given yourself to rage over and over and over, do you know you can actually build yourself a house where a, a demon of rage can live on the inside of you? Or, or, I don't mean live on the inside of you, I'll say can bind you. Because who knows whether you're sitting on your head or, you know, light and darkness can't dwell together. I know that. You say, well, a Christian can't have a demon. A Christian can have anything he wants to Christian can have anything you want. Christian can have a demon? Don't be so foolish. Whether you be indwelt by one or possessed, I don't know. Look, who knows about spiritual, spatial realities. Whether they're sitting on your shoulder or on your shoe, if you've got one at all, you might as well get rid of it. Amen? Verse twenty two of of Galatians five says, But the fruit let's get to the good stuff. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Listen, listen. I'm going to a, a preach in a second. Here I go. You ready? Listen to this. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited but provoking one another to, God, to, to godliness. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. Satan sets traps for you and me. He's such a bad devil. The devil's bad. He, he's bad. He's a bad devil. Yeah. He, he, will, he will hang the carrot out in front of you. Dangle it. You like the carrot? You can't take the carrot. No, I can't take it. Take the carrot. Yeah, He offers it to you. Then you go to grab the carrot and He goes, Look! He took the carrot! That's exactly what He does. He sets you up. He sets you up. So why? So that you won't end up in victory and you'll lose. Alright, everybody say, "Don't don't sin. Live in the Spirit. Something happened thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago. God through Jesus death and crucifixion resurrection on the cross, on the resurrection from the grave took away the 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 enemies of sin and death he took the keys of the devil he took them you need to remind yourself of that he took satan's weapons he gave us the spirit the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave the scripture says the same spirit the same one Not, my, my daughter said in the car on the way home on Sunday night, Hey, Dad. I said, what? She goes, we don't have a junior Holy Spirit. I thought I'd tell you. <laughs> amen. Your kid doesn't have a junior Holy Spirit. You don't have a junior. Come on, you don't have a junior Holy Ghost. He's not waiting to grow up. He's waiting for you to grow up. Come on, don't shout me down, Gene. Give me an Amen. Amen. He's waiting for all of us to grow up. Be careful of pride. Everybody say, it. be careful of pride. We're talking about how to not mess up the victory. That God's got a plan, a victory for you, but you can mess it up. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was talking to somebody not long ago and um, I was so grieved because how deep you want me to go, Lord? Okay. He says deep. I said okay. Most people never really understand what it is to live in covenant. Okay? So they bounce around from church to church. They never develop any relationships. They They never walk in covenant with somebody. So they They'll go to a church for a while until they get confronted on their mess. Amen. And then usually they're like, they don't love me. No, really, actually what they're doing is they are loving you. Now, of course, there are examples where there's abuse and all of that. And by God's grace, that's not happening here. But we see people come in, and they're so pregnant with the potential, it's staggering. Amen. It's it's staggering. But they, ref, they refuse to yield and refuse to get... Submitted and get plugged in and, and, and sew their lives into something For a long enough period of time And it takes a little while It's not just oh I've been there six months And I'm not preaching yet Give me a break <laughs> Jack I served like I just served like a bond servant In our church I I didn't preach until I got to be made a pastor I mean, that's I don't think I ever Got in Dr. Morocco's pulpit Until I you know When I was made a pastor, that's why I got to preach in his pulpit. Like, I just want to preach. I'm called to preach. Good. Preach in Walmart. Go get your work saved. You don't need to be standing up here just so you can say you stood up here or something. That's ridiculous. Anyway, I was so grieved because uh, not long ago I saw a person come in, and they've been here, and now they're they're telling me, you know, I'm just going to go somewhere else just because I just need to go. And I said, you need to what? I just, you know, I said, man, I'm, I'm trying to plug you in. You know what, I hope you're online. If you are, be rebuked. <laughs> yeah, you know something? And if you, I just hope you are. Maybe you can watch it later. I love you. I'm trying to love people. Trying to help them overcome themselves. And, and, and people aren't willing to submit, aren't willing to, I'm not saying that I'm always right, but I know the word's always right. And, and they're, you know, oh, I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm just going to go over here and just see how they're doing and stuff when in fact God wants to raise people up to be world changers, and yet that does not happen outside of covenant. Somebody tell me, you know, you ought to do this and that or whatever. I said, well, why don't you start your own church and you can do it yourself. Look, we're just doing the best that we can, and I'm, I've understood this. I've understood that I'm just a man. We're all just people. There's a fallenness. We're not perfect. Amen. We're going to repent when we're short, when God reveals it to us. And we're going to stay connected as a family. you got to get connected like a family so that you can have somebody help you when you're not raising your kids right and they know better because they raised godly kids already. And then they can look and say, you know something? Now, you don't ever do that if you're not in, you know, walking in a love relationship with somebody. Get some spiritual pride like you know better. Let me tell you a thing or two. Your kid's on crack and you're trying to tell them. Come on. The pastor will be back this Sunday. I'm just traveling through. Amen. Got to be careful of pride. Am I okay? I'm on the edge, right? All right, I'll save that other section for a guest church that I go visit. me because I see that God wants to take somebody bring them into victory but they're not willing to confront their own hurts, their own wounds, their own rejection they're not willing to deal with that stuff so we have to soak them in prayer and watch them just take another lap man, go around the mountain see you in a couple years, praise the Lord you know, and you never really fail in God I mean, I think ultimately you can fail and end up in hell that's true, but I mean, if you're diligently seeking Him and we, we fail a test the test is coming again so I've watched this person who's going in and out, in and out, in and out. Now they're heading out of our house, and I'm just going, I wish, I wish, I wish they could just stay put, because they're so filled with potential. But they're not willing. It's always like, you know, one of the number one things I've seen is they get a spiritual pride about a theological issue. Give me a break. Want to talk about tongues, and they're all shacked up with their girlfriend or something. Please spare me. I just so irritates me. I get irritated over that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't think, I don't think y'all ought to be praying in tongues. There should be no tongues in the church. You're going to live with his girlfriend or something, or boyfriend, or out, you know, gallivanting and living a life of debauchery, and you want to talk about tongues. Please. Spare me. Go somewhere else. ¡Estamos! <laughs> a bunch of religious mumbo jumbo and it doesn't help anybody and there's people that are out there living like that in the name of the lord and they cause more harm than they do help because if that's the life of victory that god has for you still on drugs still shacked up claiming the name of the lord but you got an issue with tongues they're so bound up my my god the hell is using them for illustrations Lucifer's like, what's this? What's this? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> All right. Am I in trouble now? Borderline. All right. Let's move forward. Now, I, I get, I, really, the truth of it is, it breaks my heart in the end. And I've seen it over and over and over and over and over. And I don't want to be like that. I want God to change me. And I want God to convict me. I don't want to be the enemy of the victory that God has for me. And I know you don't either. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here on a Tuesday night. All of us want to have victory. Amen? And if there's anything in our lives that's going to hold us back, a pride, or if we're going to, if we're going to end up being the ones that, that rip off our own victory, some, I want somebody to help me with that. My wife does a great job of helping me, and I help her. The Lord helps me. I've got people that I'm in accountability with. You don't develop that. Over Necessarily over just a, a six-month period. It can happen in six months, and I've seen that too. But it, it comes living transparent before one another. Being accountable to one another. Showing up consistently to church, consistently to your life group, consistently being in prayer, consistently showing up even when you're hurting, even when you feel like you're quitting, even when somebody dies or you've been offended. You keep going. Why? Because that's what you do. You serve God. Are you going to quit your family? How are you going to do that? You got the DNA of your family. How are you going to quit? Now there are some that quit, but the truth is they still carrying that DNA and they're tormented. You've got the kingdom DNA on the inside of you, which is unity and covenant. And if you don't do that, come on, how can you how can you confess your faults one to another and pray for one another and be healed if you don't have one another? How can you call if any of you sick, listen to this. If any of you are sick, let him call upon the elders of the church. And the word elders in the Greek is synonymous with pastor or bishop. How can you call on your pastor if you don't have one? All right. I'm leaking. I so want you to win. I so desperately want you to have victory. I so desperately want you to walk in a new, a newfound found power. I want you to learn to overcome. There is no life like walking in victory, having no fear of the enemy, walking in blessing, walking in fruitfulness. There is no life when, like walking with God where He can come upon you, know that He's going to provide for you, even when you've lost your job, even when you don't know which way is out, when sickness and infirmity, the pestilence or the peril at noontime that comes. You don't have to worry about it because you're with God. You're in His boat. He loves you. He's adopted you. He's grafted you in. You don't need to be yield to worry or fear, or any of that stuff, and there is no life like that. Nothing like that. Woo! All right, everybody, say, "Be a doer of the word, Be a doer. not just a hearer." I've been talking about that. James one twenty two. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it. It's like a man who looks in the mirror, his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues, and what? And continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. I'm convinced that zeal, is God has given me a gift of zeal. I'm so thankful for it because the gift of zeal has allowed me to overcome lots of stuff. It's just sort of part of my makeup. I'm thankful for it. Some said it's the fighting Irish. I don't know. I'm just on fire, love God, and I'm going to do whatever He tells me to. Like it or lump it. I'm going to do it. And God is raising up a generation that's like that. God is raising up a generation of people. I want you to turn to this scripture. Last one for tonight. Proverbs. Just kidding. Numbers twenty five. You know, the truth of it is people have been so hurt and so wounded in fellowship that, that they're afraid that it's just going to happen again. And that really is the truth of why people just just you start getting close to just get close to those hurts, and if there hasn't been a development of trust and a history of it then there's no way anybody's going to let their guard down to get gutted again. Did you hear that? Because that really is the truth of that. I've been through that. Anybody been through that? All right. So until you develop, that's why when you come into a church, whether it be this one or you move you you go to another one, you get into that place and you develop relationships, as painful as it might be at times. And you you learn. You you learn who those, get to know those who labor among you. Get to know, and listen, some people are healthy. I'm not looking at anybody. Some people are healthy to be friends with, and truth is, some aren't. So you have to figure out. You know, the thing is, though, until I was healed, man, I was constantly attracted to the ones that would gut me. Nice to see you. <clears throat> and that just, you know, made me feel like I'm at home. Until until I realized that God had something more for me. And really, the most of it for us, for my wife and I, we both came from very dysfunctional homes. I just watched I watched our staff years ago. Watched Dr. Morocco how he handled his how he treated his wife, how he blessed her, how he treated his kids. The affection, the ongoing prayer and the, really living out before me what it is to be saved, what it is to be a Christian. I watched him. I watched him how he ate. I know how he drinks his tea. I know how he irons his shirt. I know how he polishes his shoes. He doesn't He's not into polishing his shoes. I try to polish him whenever I get the chance. That's just too easy. You know, just doesn't. You know, he doesn't do that. He's not into fancy clothes and fancy watches. He's like, well, whatever. His wife and his kids try to dress him. You know, the, the inside line on him. I know him, and he knows me. How did that happen? Year in, year out, commitment, living, living for God, walking with Him. And he's a man of integrity. Not perfect, but he's a man of integrity. Loves God, loves people. So I've sowed my life into that thing. And I've found now that that's starting to reap a harvest in my life. It just doesn't happen overnight. All right, let's get back to this. Zeal. Numbers 25, verse 7. When Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this. Now what had happened is this curse is all on Israel because they've gotten over in fornicating and sin with the Moabites false uh, uh, Fornication and idolatry, and they these this Israelite and this Moabitess go off in front of the entire assembly. And Moses, it'd be like, it'd be like somebody just coming along, grabbing a, a, a two men and women just running off into the back room here and and in the back right here. That's what that would be like. Okay. So there was this guy, young man Phineas. I think he was a youth. He grabbed a spear, ran into the tent, and it says that he pierced them through. Look at this. He took a spear in his hand. Verse 8, he followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite and into the woman's body. Now, I'm going to tell you how that happened. They were pretty close. So, in other words, it wasn't two pokes, just one, straight through. All right. Those who died of the plague were number twenty four thousand there is a Phineas anointing that god's going to come on us God has got he wants to give you a zeal for the victory that he has for you and you've got to be willing to take the spear of the word you've got to be willing to take the spear and kill anything that wants to that wants to try to rob you of your victory even if it 's on the inside of you even if it 's your own mindset if you 've got patterns and things in you that that are playing out day after day you have to aggressively go after them. You have to take the Word. You have to slay that thing. You've got to take every thought captive and make it obedient. And, you know, for me in my life, there was just certain situations I couldn't handle right straight on. I'd repent, but it was more than repent. Everybody say repent. You've got to repent of those things, but you have to restructure. You have to restructure your life. I've told this story. I was, I don't know, I was saved and on fire, filled with the Holy Ghost. I was working at the Grand Hyatt Wilea, four-star restaurant. Making 150 to 200 a night as a waiter, good job, decent job. It was New Year's, and I was I was a waiter there. I had my little section, and as it got closer and closer to New Year's, all of the party started to happen in the back, in the kitchen, in the restaurant. And all the swirling events that would happen and, and the, the unopened bottles of champagne that would come back and they started getting popped and people started drinking them and all the drugs started coming out. And then all the girls started, you know, coming out and it was ugly. And I thought as I stood there, I started, I started getting sorely tempted. I mean, it's just like, oh, oh. And then I realized, run. I thought, run. I knew it was God. I just knew it was because I've never quit a job. I've always trained you to do it if you bleed, you're finishing your work. I mean, that's how dad taught us. You're going to finish. Brackens don't quit. We had a little saying. I've passed it on to my kids. And so the Lord just says, run. I thought, run, 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 run. run. I've got tables, it's packed. Four star restaurant. I'm the waiter. Run, run, run. And I just thought of Joseph for a second. I thought, run, run. Run, run. And I just ran in the back, grabbed my bag, and ran right out in my uniform. Didn't punch the clock. Ran, kept running till I got to my 69 Le Mans. Oh, yeah. Got in the car, burned out four-wheel drift out of the parking lot. Burned all the way home, broke the speed limit, broke every law. But there was a higher law at work. And I'll tell you what it was. It was my very soul. And if I had caved on that particular incident, instance, I don't know that I'd be alive right now. I think it was that heavy for me. And man, I'll never forget seeing the manager. I forgot. I didn't call him. I didn't do anything. I was like, oh, I'm never going back there again. I left them with tables, tickets, the whole thing. I saw the manager at the post office or something. French guy. And when he saw me, he says, You you will never work for the Grand Wailette ever Again. I said, I'm so sorry. Never again, you blacklisted. I thought, I'm saved, though. <laughs> You've got to restructure your life. I couldn't handle it staying there. Now, I'm telling you, God's led me into bars, and I've, I've prayed the sinner's prayer with every single person in there. said, bow your heads, every one of you, in a bar. I couldn't walk in the bar before. I've gone into crack houses. I've gone into meth houses here at the leading of the Lord. I couldn't do that before. Now, I'm walking in a freedom that, 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 that I can do that if God tells me to. You have to restructure your life. Some of you, you know, God's trying to give you victory, but you keep tripping over the same thing. Restructure! We pulled up to a house, Tim and I, years ago, about four years ago, pulled up to a house, had, a, had, a, had some boys come in and just looked like they were going to die and broke a spirit of death off of them. Went and visited them the next day. Rolled up in the white church truck and it was like cockroaches, man, running everywhere. They thought we were the 5-0. They thought we were the police. Detectives. We got out, walked in, and most most people had scrambled, jumped over fences, ran everywhere. Got in the living room and standing there, and they're like, it's the pastor, it's the pastor. What is the pastor? It's the pastor! I said, all of you, all everybody, I have the most important news to tell you. Gather around They all gathered. We preached Jesus to them. They all prayed the sinner's prayer. I don't know where they are now. But, I mean, we'll just trust that God's going to work it out. Yeah, I could do that then. Fifteen years ago would have been a really bad idea. Twenty years ago. twenty Would have been a bad plan. Restructure. Repent. Sure, repent. Restructure your life. If you're attracted to a Moabite, get away from the Moabites. Hello. If you're attracted to some Israelite boys leading you in sin, get away. Hello. It goes with greed, it goes with everything. Every you got to re everybody say restructure. Last point. I'm convinced that if you spend too much time alone, you get weird. You see truth Truth is played out in the context and the soil of relationship. It's not just truth by your own, because then you put it through your own filter and you figure out what you think it means. Don't, don't, how to have the, Lord, the Lord's victory for you and not how to not mess it up. How not to mess up the Lord's victory. Don't sit. Restructure your life. Repent. Change things. Confront your strongholds. Confront your issues. Live in covenant. Don't be alone. We need one another. Hey, we need one another. You know, now as I get older, I am so aware of how totally lost I am without my wife. I mean, really. Yeah. And you know something? That's a real humbling thing. Because sometimes we just like to You're all that. No man is an island. You ever heard that before? Look, you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. Church is really about living in covenant together. We we can walk in victory together. Don't get alone and, and the other don't be alone and, and or lazy. If you're lazy, you need to confront that thing. You so say, How does that get into the message? I don't know. I just thought I'd throw it in there. Be diligent. It's diligence that God rewards and helps. And if you're going to walk in victory that God has intended for you, you're going to have to be diligent. Did you get something from God? All right. If I offended you, I'm sorry. didn't mean to offend you. I was wearing my emotions on my sleeves. It just irritates me when the enemy rips people off. And God's intended us to be more than conquerors, to overcome, to walk in victory. And it's not so much the devil's fault, although he is the enemy. I've found, more than anything, people are their own worst enemy. I don't want to be like that. I know you don't either. Come on, stand up on your feet, won't you? Father, we thank you. For your grace that's upon us and For your power, Lord, that's available for us. Lord, let us walk in the victory that you've intended for us. Tear down every stronghold. Break every pattern in our lives that would hold us back from the victory that you have. Jesus, right now, come upon us. Now right now, just ask the Lord between you and Jesus just right now. Ask Him. Ask Him to reveal something. Is there anything in you that's hindering His His plan? Is it pride or greed? Is there anything in there? And if there is, just repent and ask God to take it from you. Just you and yourself right now. Anger, fits of rage. If you're struggling with sexual sin, repent. Ask God to help you right now. There's no shame in that. The shame is that when you don't repent and ask Him to change you. That, that's the terrible thing. Many of us came out of it's a dark past. Just don't stay there. Don't stay there. There's something better for you. God has better for you. So, Lord, do that. Free people now. Lord, and for the assignments of the enemy and generational iniquity and cursing, I break it off of your people by the power of the name of Jesus. Command every curse to be broken by the blood of the Lamb. Your power is broken now. Poverty. Rejection, generational patterns of sin, idolatry, witchcraft, selfish ambition, hatred, fits of rage. We command the propensity for these things to be broken and your people to rise, to rise with a Phineas anointing. To take the the spear, the javelin of the Word, to pierce through every enemy that's in our lives that's, that's holding us back from victory. Raise up a people who are diligent and hungry and zealous for your honor. Let your name and your fame be made great through your people. Anoint us. We stay under Your mighty hand of protection and blessing all of our lives and teach others to do the same. God, I thank You. And I pray, Lord, for those who are afraid. Those who are afraid or live in fear of being hurt again. Lord, that You would allow us to be a church that loves so deeply and so profoundly that it would crush the spirit of fear. For it is perfect love that casts out all fear. God, I would pray you'd help me to do that as a pastor. Help me to love with the love of Jesus. I'm trying, Lord. I just get so irritated sometimes. Jesus, help me. Help me, God. Help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to love with the, let the love of God. Rule every decision that we make. For where we've not done that, God, we've repented. We repent before you. Help us to restructure our lives, Lord, that we these things that trip and stumble, Lord, would be removed. Help us to restructure. We thank and praise you. I need to share one thing. And then we'll close. Uh, because this is for families and, and this might help you. There was a period of time when my wife and I and I was pastor, we were pastoring. We'd wake up in the morning. Yeah, you may be seated and then we'll just close. I'm almost done. It's it's early. It's only nine oh two. And it, it was before we were pastoring. I mean we were in we were in ministry, but we you know, I don't think we were full time ministry yet. We were married. We'd wake up, man, Sunday was just like, man, we just start getting bickering. It was like the Bickersons. Sunday morning like, Arr, arr, and back and forth, just bickering. There wasn't anything we could quite put our finger on. Not, not every Sunday morning, but many Sunday mornings we'd end up like in a little fight right before church. And uh, and I thought, man, I started realizing that that was common. And so, it was Karen's idea if I recall. She said, you know something, I think Sunday morning we should have a no talking rule. Said, okay, let's do it. So we had a no talking rule. We'd get ready, just praying tongues, whatever, I mean, you know, do you know where my hairbrush is? That kind of stuff. Maybe, but but no talking. And then then we, we'd usually forget and start talking. You start feeling strife, and it'd be oh, oh, oh no, no talking rule. We'd get down to church and have church. And then and then that season passed. And then as our kids came along, we would drive home. I kid you not. It was like a county line that we would cross. As soon as we crossed this line, it was in the spirit going to going to a place called Kula. All of a sudden, the kid would cry. There'd be something that would happen. They'd start arguing. Fight. The kids would start fighting, and there's strife in the car. And before you know it, by the time we got home, after a powerful Holy Ghost service, would be like, arr, 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 you know you know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, we realized, oh, it's strifey. That's we call it, strifey. No talking. We'd just do the no talking thing and just calm ourselves. We restructure. Some of you in your families need to learn to do that. You need to learn to structure. And, and, and don't be so controlling. Just to have little rules. If you're freaking out, you know, I can change the whole atmosphere of my family by just getting irritated. My wife gets hurt. My kids start getting bent out of shape. And before you know it, because I was, you know, not walking in the Spirit, all of a sudden my house is filled with strife. And, you know... It's, a, it's an interesting thing. Women, you can, you know, you get over it, guys. Hey, guys, you get over it pretty much too sweet. It's good. Let's let's get on with it. <laughs> hey, forgive me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but you hurt her. And now you, you better go get flowers or something, because it's going to take you more than just five minutes to shake. She, you don't shake it free like that. It might be an hour. Might be two. It might be the next day. Even two days before her heart is then trusting you again, not to hurt her, guys. I'm telling you. Some of you are all brain dead, including myself. Come on, somebody say, Jesus, help us. Come on, Jesus, help us. You need to learn to restructure to have a healthy marriage. Healthy kids. All right, I'm done. Bless you. Amen. Hope to see you. God bless you. We're done. Praise the Lord. Have a great, have a great week. We love you. We'll see you next uh Oh, church work day, all kinds of great stuff going on. Friday night prayer, amen. We love you, Lord. Bless them. Keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, do all that you want to do in Jesus' name, amen. We love you. Praise God.